frankly takes like maybe five minutes to do all of this for free and then you're better than 99.99% of the people. Hi and welcome back to Cyber Reason's Malicious Life B-Sides. I'm Ren Levy. Today, we're bringing back Hasib Awan, the founder of Ifani Secure Mobile, a bespoke cybersecurity-focused phone service protecting high-risk individuals against mobile hacks. In our previous episode, called You Should Be Afraid of SIM Swaps, Hasib shared his personal experience with SIM swapping and how he was swapped four times. In this episode, Hasib will delve into the technicalities of SIM swapping, explaining the various techniques that hackers use to carry out this fraudulent activity. He will also provide insights into what telecommunication companies can do to prevent SIM swapping and what steps individuals can take to protect themselves from falling victim to this crime. Hasib spoke with our senior producer, Nate Nielsen. Enjoy the interview. How common are SIM swap attacks? It's hard to put a figure because companies do not display that number. But as per FBI, the, stacks, the attacks got, you know, uh, 4x since last year. I believe there are 10 to 15,000 people who hacked get hacked every day. So in our episode, we're talking a lot about uh, SIM swaps from the perspective of the victim. Now, from the perspective of the attacker... Are these, as compared with any other type of way of attacking an individual, more difficult to pull off, maybe more expensive or less so? So you'd be surprised at that it only costs a couple hundred dollars to get someone call record or telephone SIM swapped. And SIM swap is pretty much simple. So any store employee and or any like in call center, they may be based offshore. And you call them up. Like, I can pretty much get all the information by your telephone number. You give me a telephone number, people can even find which credit card you have. Everything is public or achievable or your credit score and your home address. Everything is, like, you know, sold. So what happened is that people are able to find, you know, their software. I can go on your LinkedIn profile, you know, use the software to get your telephone number. And through telephone number, I can go on white pages, put your telephone number, get all the details. And within, like, a research of maybe five minutes i can find all the information on you make a fake id walk into a store and pretend to be you and the guy will just give me a new sim card and and i just have to claim that i lost my sim card that's all hackers have to do and they can also do on the phone too they say oh i lost my phone i'm on a vacation i'm hasib can you give me a new sim card or like i just bought a sim card can you try now it's eSIM, so eSIM actually makes it even more interesting because you don't even have to get access to like a physical SIM card. They can just put your phone ICE number and your telephone model ICC IDs and everything. And boom, it's remotely provisioned. So anyone sitting in Philippines can actually transfer anyone account to anyone whenever they want. So the people who are working for like $2 an hour, do you think like pay, getting paid like $1,000 for a job wouldn't be enticing, enticing to them? So if it really is that enticing 
both for the attackers and the people that they're lower on the chain enlisting. Um, presumably, this is going to continue for a while, especially because, as we've, we've mentioned, it's like a, a profitable way of doing things. So what should telecom companies on the other side of the coin be doing to prevent all of this? So a lot of companies have done multiple stuff, like, you know, with every major company, they have to set some rest- some restrictions in place. The challenge is that companies, they cannot cater to everyone. And the reason why they can't cater to everyone is because every person wants things to be done immediately. Uh, if you look at, you know, Verizon or any major company, they're optimized for cost. They want to sell as cheaper plan as possible to as many people as possible. And that leaves like, you know, a gap there because it's like, you know, you are giving cheaper burgers to everyone. So you don't care about if it's full cooked or not, or like, how does it taste? You are only just to feed people. So you will do as little as possible to feed as many pop at as little little cost as possible. Um, So telecom companies have tried to do that, but the challenge is that the way they are structured is that they're so massive that even if they want to do that, they cannot do that. Um, so they can put up with, like the challenge is like, you know, can they put up, beef up their security? Yes, they can. But then it will basically choke up their operations because people have to spend like half an hour, an hour on everything they have to do. So like imagine one hour per customers adds up, right? But then if telecom companies are generally too big and too unwieldy to solve this problem in any elegant way, what then would the solution be? Presumably there has to be some kind of answer here. I think first of all, the challenge is that uh, we have to, as, as a consumer, we need to learn about cybersecurity. Every person, regardless of its cell phone security, like in using password managers, you know, like education has to be there because we are entering a digital era. So every company has to force this kind of thing. Like as of today, uh, I have to use my SMS 2FA. Why do I need to do SMS 2FA? I should have like an app based or something. So not just about cell phone security, because if any, even we focus on, like we only focus on one thing, but what about like simple thing like password manager, two-factor authentication, you know, changing, pa- like having a difficult password. Because the challenge is if you get hacked and you have to pay ransomware or something, you are making criminals more stronger. And one day, yes, they, today they cannot come to me, but one day they may have the power to come after me because now they have accumulated and stole everyone's money. So every hack, they become more stronger. So can we stop, stop and can we focus on the people in our society who are more vulnerable and educate them on cybersecurity? So that's one thing. About cell phone services, obviously, like services like Ifani, only purpose is to be high secure. But like even with us, we cannot secure everyone. We we'd be lucky to even get like one percent of the market share. So um, and you know we even though we want to, we cannot even focus on mass market because we are expensive than the regular market. And not just that, we do not serve all the purposes. So companies have to improve their security, obviously, without comp- but. Uh, Ultimately, also ends up to consumer where they have to take some kind of responsibility and improve their security as well. Now, if consumers are going to take that responsibility, which frankly, you know, on a mass scale, I, I can't have too much confidence in, it probably begins with, as you mentioned, 2FA. 
But of course, 2FA via SMS is not going to be of any help in a SIM swap case because you, you lost your phone. In fact, it probably makes things worse. So what exactly kind of 2FA are you talking about that can help prevent SIM swaps? Uh, app-based authentication. So 2FA could be multiple ways. So app-based is one thing where you need the app, a mobile app. So you get like, you know, a key that you have to enter in. You can also have a hardware hardware key that you have to use tap in every time you log into the system. So you should have a combination of multiple factors on that and then have some kind of a, like a, verification process of email verification as well. So every time there's a major transaction, there's like a couple of ways of verifying customers. And that's very easy to achieve. The only challenge is how many people opt in for that. Because I was looking at Twitter uh, statistics, I think 97% people do not have any kind of SMS authentication, uh, any kind of two-factor. And people who use Twitter are generally like, you know, they are uh, they ha- they are more tech-savvy or something. So I think on Facebook and others, it will be even worse. But then let's say that that's not enough, right? Uh, users can protect themselves to whatever extent they possibly can, as frankly, you had in the past, and Shaz did a pretty good job of it in his case, and yet still face SIM swaps nonetheless. And most of it, if if we are to take the, the stories that we're telling in this episode to heart, has to do more with the phone company's handling of your account than actually what you're doing. Um, in situations where your phone company does things against your interests, uh, betraying your security without maybe you even knowing, is there any recourse available to you to recoup maybe some money back or, you know, whatever it might be? The only challenge is that if um, if you get sent up by a carrier, the maximum you're getting is a letter of apology that's automated. I'm so sorry, we lost all your money. That's the only thing that you can do. Uh, so there's no legal recourse. Like people start filing lawsuits and everything, but uh, carriers already find that they are not security-wise and they are not responsible. So that's not going to go anywhere. So there's no legal recourse against any carrier because you have already accepted that um, they are not responsible. The best strategy for organizations to avoid becoming a victim of ransomware is to prevent the attack from being successful in the first place. CyberReason remains undefeated in the fight against ransomware because it moved beyond alerting to deliver an operation-centric approach that detects and prevents ransomware attacks at the earliest stages of initial ingress and lateral movement. The CyberReason predictive response capability disrupts ransomware attacks prior to data exfiltration and long before the ransomware payload can be delivered. Visit cyberreason.com to learn more about predictive ransomware protection and how your organization can realize both increased efficiency and efficacy through an operation-centric approach to security operations. The thing that maybe I'm still stuck on is the first point you were making there, because Okay, even if we say that the phone company doesn't have 100% responsibility in a SIM swap case, let's say they share 50-50 or even less than that, but they have some role. Why then is it that there's no 
possible legal recourse for the victim, right? Is it because the law just hasn't caught up to this maybe relatively new kind of cyber attack? Or is it because the telecoms wield so much political power that those laws that otherwise could exist don't? It just seems a little bit unfair, no? No, so obviously cell phone companies have a lot more power, right? You can't do anything against them. It's a monopoly, it's a cartel. Uh, you know, they can, uh, you know, that's one thing. Uh, but most importantly, like the thing is that they don't advertise them as a security device. They just say we are a cell phone service. We just provide telecom. That's about it. Nothing else. Uh, so it's like you say, it's, it's proper disclosure. And I would say cell phone companies are, you know, right in a way that they're not a security device. Like how long does it take to people to just set up a application-based authentication, literally like maybe like less than a minute. So why do they take this? But the challenge is that if cell phone companies start doing the authentication we do, the system will get choked. Like every day they have to probably do like 10, 15,000 of those requests of people leaving the service or joining the service, like leaving the service. So if they spend like one hour on every authentication, just one hour, we do much more than that. That's like $10,000 extra hour. So then they calculate, okay, you know, is it worth doing it for us? What's the ROI for us? And the consumer will get angry that, hey, someone is putting me on this trouble. So carriers have to do minimal security to ensure that customers are satisfied. Yeah, that is tricky. Um, and not to belabor the point, the last thing I want to mention here, um, in some of the SIM swap cases that you and I were talking about offline, there are folks who, having become victim to a SIM swap, are pursuing legal action against telecom companies. In your, To your best knowledge, have there been any kinds of settlements, or is it just that all of these cases have failed? So obviously, some information is very proprietary. So, uh, But overall, they have sued companies, like there are active lawsuits coming. I have not heard about anyone who is able to recover their money. So lawsuits are happening, they end up winning too, but lawyers take all the money. And I've seen many people who sued, and they actually, unfortunately, they ended up in a worse situation because the legal bill is much higher than what they got. So if they won like a million dollars, just to give you, I'm just making up a number. The legal fees were like $1.5 million. So now they owe the lawyers more money than they actually won. So I have not found, I have not never, never heard about anyone who was far off better suing them. Okay. To bring everything together, uh, Hasib, you and I have talked a lot about the context around SIM swaps and how to potentially protect yourself against any future attacks to whatever extent possible. But what if one day you end up in that scenario as Shaz does in his story, where your phone blacks out and you think, you suspect that somebody else has taken control over it. What would you recommend, should that ever happen to any of our listeners, that you do in that scenario to best protect yourself? Should you follow the steps that Shaz did, or is there anything else that would work better? So as soon as you're hacked, right, um, the number one thing you're hacked, you have to do first thing is to, they will come after your money. That's the first thing we'll do. So make sure that you contact the institution which has your money and put a lock on it or something. That's the first thing you do. Second is to secure your email address because they, they're coming after your email address. 
by the time you've got to your email address, they may have already captured that, but at least you saved your money. That second step. Third is to just run to the store that you have and try to get your number back. And the challenge is that when they don't recognize you're a customer, because you don't exist in their database anymore, and they can't help you out, but that's the only recourse you have at that time. First of all, call your financial institution. And secondly, get into your email address and you know, like try to change your telephone number, move to uh, or remove your telephone number from there. That's the second thing you do. And then third part is to get back your telephone number. Once you have got your telephone number, then you assess the damage of going into your account and see what they have done. A lot of times what they do is as soon as they go into your email account, they will delete, they will forward all the emails. So they will say, oh, any bank from like Chase Bank will just go to them. So a lot of people don't even realize that they attack may not happen right away. Attack may happen after two days. So because they have already done their thing. And now the Chase Bank, you may have the username and password, but the email goes to them. And the telephone number in your account is actually uh, their number. So that happens very, very often. So my appeal to everyone is that as soon as it happens, call your financial institution right away. You know, run, drive, whatever you want to do, and just go there and make sure no one, no funny business happens there. Then control your email addresses. And the third is go to the telephone company that you have connection with and uh, try to record that phone and don't leave the store unless it's done. Hasib, is there any last word that you'd like to leave us with? Americans are the number one victims of, you know, any kind of hack. In SimSwap, average loss is around 43,000 people. If you just want to pick up three things to do, number one, use like a password manager. Number two is you can work on, uh, you know, like use a hardware key if possible. And frankly, it takes like maybe five minutes to do all of this for free. And then you're better than 99% of the people. So please do that. Oh my god. CK music, 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 music.